anyone who's happy or dedicated to doing something that they feel, I mean, it could be anything, anything in the world, you know, from being a dentist, school teacher, to valet parking cars, to being a world leading scientist. If you enjoy what you do, you know, that's what's most important. Welcome visionaries, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, leaders, and growth seekers of all types to the Passion Struck Podcast. Hi, I'm John Miles, a peak performance coach, multi-industry CEO, Navy veteran, and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide. And each week I do so by sharing with you an inspirational message and interviewing high achievers from all walks of life to unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming passion struck. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you tips, tasks, and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue the passion-driven life you have always wanted to have. Now, let's become passion struck. Welcome to this week's episode of the Passion Struck Podcast with former NFL Pro Bowl cornerback, Sean Springs. And I wanna thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I realize there are millions of other podcasts you could be listening to, and we so appreciate that you're here with us today hearing this great message from Sean. And if you truly love this episode, please share it with some like-minded friends who could use this weekly dose of inspiration. And if you truly, truly love it, please give us a five-star rating. They go such a long way, and we are trying to get to 2,000 of them. Now, let me get on with today's show. Former 49ers receiver Jerry Rice said, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. And Dallas Cowboys former quarterback Roger Staubach said, winning isn't getting ahead of others. It is getting ahead of yourself. And I picked those two because as you hear today's discussion unfold, both will tie into my discussion with Sean Springs. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Sean. He is a former Pro Bowl professional football player who was a cornerback in the NFL for 13 seasons, playing for the Seattle Seahawks, the Washington Redskins, and the New England Patriots. He was an All-American at The Ohio State University and became the highest draft pick ever at his position of cornerback. Today, Sean is the CEO of Winpact, where he built a core team of engineers, designers, and world-class scientists, all dedicated to improving impact protection. And in today's discussion, we talk about his journey from high school through Ohio State into the NFL, what that moment was like when he found out he was the third pick in the draft, some of his career highlights in the NFL, the one play December 12, 2004, that completely changed his life, his current board role that he has with the Boulder Crest Foundation and why that foundation is so important to him, his path to becoming an entrepreneur and the CEO of Winpack. He describes the mentorship that he had with Microsoft founder and Seattle Seahawks owner, Paul Allen, and why it was so vital to his success both on and off the field. He talks about his advice for those who are willing to become passion struck and live their own no regrets life, as well as a bunch of fun questions about his time in the league. So excited for you to hear today's episode. Now let's become passion struck. Welcome to the Passion Struck Podcast and this week's episode with Sean Springs. Sean, so glad to have you on the show. Hey, I'm glad to be on the show, man. 
Okay, so I just have to start out today with, I think I told you this before, but my parents, my grandparents, my aunt are all University of Michigan graduates. So I grew up now. (laughs) So finally, I get to interview a former NFL player. My mom and dad are going to be like, and you picked an OSU guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, you know what I like to tell them? If we win this year, you know it's going to be the last 18 out of 20 games that we beat the Michigan. I actually feel bad. So tell, tell, your, parents, tell your parents and everybody, it's like, oh, man, I, I, you know, he didn't give me a hard time on, on, on the podcast, man, because they've been, they've been whooping that school up north so much that he's going to just feel bad about feel bad well. about it. Oh, do you worry about that? Because my friends give me so much crap about it already. I, I hear it all the time. I think it, it reminds me of when I was at the Naval Academy. We had only beat Army one time. It happened to be my plebe year, which is the, the, the best one you're going to get. But uh, we had a string where I think we beat them 10 years in a row. And after a while, you're like, we hope they'll win one because this is just getting, <laughs> right. but tides, tides do change. Well, I wanted to, to start out today because the, the reason I reached out to you was actually because of an organization I've become familiar with called Boulder Crest. Yes. And they've got a, a program called Warrior Path and you're on the board of it. And yeah. when I saw that, I was like, I, I really want to talk to them about it. So what got you involved with Boulder Crest, which primarily helps veterans? Well, the fact that it's just an amazing organization that helps veterans who are spilling effects of traumatic brain injury and PTSD kind of be able to overcome some of the challenges that they, they face. It was something that was near and dear to my heart. One, because there's such a close tie to the NFL and the effects of concussions and what the, the injuries that they're facing and what we see with the soldiers coming back from uh, war and, and other places that it was just a natural fit for me and understanding the challenges. And I wanted to be a part of something, but like that, that that's helping people. But more importantly, John, most people don't know my mom <laughs> was in the army. My mom was a master sergeant in the army. She every day just seeing the dedication and the uniform my mom used to wear. And, and I used to get paid 50 cents or a dollar for shining a boot. So, <laughs> you know, but, so the ties to the army and my stepfather, um, George Thomas, who's also an officer, was an officer in the army. It, it's been a part of my life. Uh, I tell people all the time, you think your dad is a professional football players rough you should have your mom who's in the army (laughs) (laughs) who's really rough so and so therefore i just you know i feel the 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 connection there i'm actually starting today's uh, episode out with a couple quotes one of them is from roger staubach did your dad actually get to play with him yeah yes so, so yes. my dad, I actually, Roger spoke at my dad's funeral when he passed away, but Roger and my father were pretty close and he's a good man. Well, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet him one time and it was completely under different circumstances. I was at Lowe's and we were searching for another data center and he got really big into real estate. So we show up to go look at this data center, never expecting that the president of the company would be the one who shows it. But uh, he he had heard that a Naval Academy graduate was part of the team that was looking at it. So he came out and that was how I met Roger Staubach. Oh, one of the most cool. one of the most humble people you will ever you will ever meet as well. So getting back to Boulder Crest, if someone isn't familiar with it, can you just kind of go over what their mission is? And because I had never heard of yeah. post-traumatic growth before, yeah. uh, which you hear a post-traumatic stress disorder, but yeah. not not that other term. 
And, and, and the mission for Boulder Crest is to pair up others who are suffering from post-traumatic injuries and soldiers who just want to go back to a normal life as possible. Boulder Crest provides a facility where all type of skills are from cool stuff from like learning how to paint to just uh, music to all different type of alternative ways to have one in, in, in classes to help you as a soldier get back to being able to be a, live a normal life and to be able to develop some of those skills to say, hey, you're not alone. You know, and I think a challenge a lot of times, John, is people who are suffering from, you know, depression or anxiety or some other effects may oftentimes feel like they can't have that discussion with people or they can't really, you know, who, who else. And, and, and then they're tough and, they, and it, because of their service. And thank God for the men and women who serve our country, protect our freedom. But you, you get this reputation of being tough. And sometimes it's hard for you to say, I need help. So Boulder Crest um, provides a safe place, locations around the country. You know, I live here in Leesburg, Virginia, where there is a huge facility out in um, the Virginia countryside, as well as Tucson, Florida, and there's other ones opening. But Boulder Crest is an awesome facility and you can bring your parents and I mean, your your kids and family as well to uh, visit and come see the work that they're doing there. Okay. And I, and the way I understand it is it starts with a week long program, which is with a small group of six to eight other veterans. And then they actually give you treatment for the next 18 months. Because one of the things through my research is often you'll do something to help uh, with the traumatic situation. And it's like a one-time deal. Whereas their belief is this needs to become a lifetime program. So by giving you that support, where you can talk to that small team, et cetera. It's, it's kind of a different approach from other programs. Yeah, it, it's it's a different approach because you you create a brotherhood and, and you know going to the Naval Academy and being in those groups, I would say I'm always fascinated with the Navy SEALs. <laughs> but you know, you know, just hearing about how you know the Navy SEALs have small teams and move together. I think that's kind of like you have your group of defensive backs. I was a defensive back that you have those lifetime relationships. And that you can have those friendships and that bond is created that they can last a lifetime. And, and that's kind of the concept. We want to make sure that people have that support through their journey over the over their lifetime. Okay. And I, I think where I want to take this is I want to go a little bit into the NFL and then yeah. I want to go into what you're doing today. So coming out of the Ohio State University as an All-American, not only were you a draft pick, you were the highest draft pick. I think of all time at your position. Is yeah, that true. That is true. Uh, I think I'm tied today with the kid from Ohio State two years ago or 2019 draft was drafted number three overall to Detroit. So, but I'm still the highest drafted corner in the history of the NFL. So, I just have to ask I, I've recently done a couple interviews with astronauts on what is it like before you're going to blast off. And both of them were like, I wasn't nervous at all because I did it. You know, we practice this thing so many times. I don't know how you practice a blast off, but right. what was it like? I mean, I've always wondered, you're you're this youngster waiting yeah. for Robert Goodell to, to bring you up. I mean, how nerve wracking is that? And what did you think? Where did you think you were going yeah, to land? That, that, that's a great story. I think all young kids, when you play in youth sports, you have a dream of one day playing in the National Football League. 
And I was fortunate to have a great career at Ohio State. And they started to talk about me being a high draft pick. And I, I left school early. And I promised my mom, I, you know, she's a soldier, but I promised my mom that I would go back to school and finish my degree. It was important to her. And draft comes around and had great workouts and teams. And I think a week before ESPN, they said I was going to be in the top five. And after my workout, so draft night comes around and I get a phone call from my agent. And he tells me that there has been a trade and the Rams are going to take Orlando Pace at first pick. So I knew I wasn't going to be the first pick, but I could be second, third or fourth. I was trying to be cool, like I could sleep, but I didn't sleep at all. I stayed up all night, all night thinking about where could I possibly be? And you'd be like, oh man, if I go to Oakland, I'll be living out in the Bay Area. And if you go to Seattle, I don't even know where Seattle is. I'm from, the state of- <laughs> I'm from Washington, D.C., not the state of what. Washington and and then potentially Baltimore, which I think they had the fourth pick. Draft day comes around and, and I'm sitting there and you know you just you're anxious a little bit, but then there's a calm because you're like, you know what? I know I'm I'm know I'm getting drafted because they invited me here. And I sat there with my family and I was I went to the second pick went and I really thought I was gonna be the second pick to Oakland and end up being a third pick to Seattle, and which was one of which changed my life, but my dad always used to tease me, tease me because I cried on draft day. I was upset I wasn't at least a second pick. I was a third <laughs> pick. <laughs> so, but one of the best things that ever happened to me is most people don't know at the time, John, a guy named Paul Allen was purchasing the Seahawks. Yes. Most, most people don't realize that Paul Allen also owns the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers. They know about him being a founder with Bill Gates of, of Microsoft. So that was a pretty good, cool experience. And I can share that story with you, Paul Allen. Yeah. Well, how much when you were living in Seattle, which has now become one of the technology meccas, how much exposure did you get to that? A lot of it. I tell people all the time, you know, how I got into what I'm doing today is a pretty cool story. Which uh, When I was drafted, the team was actually up for sale. The Nordstrom family, I believe, was selling it to uh, a group out of California. So the team drafted in April. The team was practicing down at Anaheim. And Paul Allen had made a commitment to purchase the team. And the week later, I had, after the draft, I had to come back out and I go around to these small little towns, Redmond, Washington, and Kirkland, Washington, and Bellevue. And Mr. Allen says, hey, I'm going to put up $300 million of my own money, and I want to keep the team in Seattle, and we get these new exciting players. And I would raise my hand and say, oh, you know, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I want to change the culture of the Seahawks. I'm pretty excited about being here. And make a long story short, John, in between the ride, I asked Mr. Allen, I said, Mr. Allen, did you know you're going to be a billionaire? And he says, Sean, it wasn't about when me and William, me and Bill started Microsoft, it wasn't about being a billionaire. It was about doing something unique and different on this, this web, you know, you know, the internet. Yes. And he was just like, you know, what we call disruption today. And he, I was just blown away, John, with the fact that he, it wasn't about the money. It was about doing something that really changed the world for the good. And it changed my perspective because I'm living in the Kirkland. And I remember today that the apartment was like $2,700 in 1997. And I'm just like, ah, I know how I can afford to live here. But how does my buddy, who I go over his house every day after practice, play video games, man, you in your shorts still. Did you work today? He said, yeah, man, I'm a coder. I said, a coder? I don't even know what a coder is. <laughs> Somebody go work for this company, sell books online. I said, man, people buying books online, that's a dumb idea. 
<laughs> right. Today we know that company is Amazon, right? And yeah. then I had another friend who was going to work for a company that was selling water and coffee. Uh, for like three bucks, which was Starbucks. And Starbucks, I had, yep. I had another friend that was going to work for Microsoft. So for me, after having that conversation and being able to hang out with Mr. Allen and him telling me stories about da data and innovation, I didn't even know the mentor I had. I just was the first person he drafted. So I got a chance to just be around him and get invited to a suite. I got injured one time. I went into the suite and he said, Hey, I want to, I want you to meet this guy, Steve, Steve Ballmer, you know, like, <laughs> 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 you know, I'm 20, I'm 21 years old. And, and, and I just, I had no idea the type of lessons and type of things he was pouring into a young man's life and showing me what to look out for. And Seattle was a small town. Now it's a, we call it a Silicon forest, right? You know, you think <laughs> You, you think about the, the the future of innovation, and Seattle has has played a major part in that. Yes, well, I've always heard that that stadium for opposing teams is one of the hardest to play in because it gets so loud. Is is that right. accurate? It is. It is pretty loud, man. It's not as loud as the old Kingdom where all that noise was trapped in. But the twelfth man gets pretty loud out there. <laughs> That's great. Well, I had. Um... A, a couple of fun questions I wanted to ask you, and then oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take it forward. So you played with some incredible wide receivers yeah, or, or had to defend them. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask, who was the hardest wide receiver you've ever had to defend? Oh, man, that's a lot of good ones. Over a 13-year period, I've seen some really good ones. Do I have to pick one or I can give you a several couple? You can or, give me a couple. You're saying, you're saying I have to pick one. Give me a couple. Uh, give me a couple. Well, my rookie year, my first person I ever checked was a guy you might have heard of named Jerry Rice. <laughs> my rookie year, I had to ch check Jerry Rice. That was my first preseason game. I went in there to match up with Jerry Rice. So I did that. The second, uh, Jerry Rice was great. Jimmy Smith, if you remember the old Jacksonville Jaguars, him and yes. um, Mark Brunel, he was a stud, man. I love Jimmy Smith. And probably, if I had to argue, he was probably one of the top two or three play best players I ever played against. Randy Moss was a teammate at, in New England, but he was a force to be dealt with. Moss, Moss was an unreal. T.O., who I matched up probably the most in my career. I probably to play T.O. so many times, and, and you know, I, I get tired of seeing him. Yeah, <laughs> we were friends. And then Torrey Holt. So those are my top, probably my top five guys. You know, the T.O.s, the Randy Moss is probably head above, shoulder above everybody. And, and, and Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald towards, I mean, I've seen his career too, but, you know, those five right there or six right there, pretty good. And I, I got to take this the Michigan direction now. So did, did you ever think <laughs> that Tom Brady would reach where he's he's reached? Because I did you play him both in college yeah. and in the pros? Yeah, yeah that's so what I thought. You know, I had a chance to play against him. And actually, Tom didn't start when we played him. Actually, Brian Greasy was starting. I think Tom might have came in. And then he started, you know, it was between, I think Tom was right behind, like, Todd Collins. It was like Todd Collins, Brian Greasy, and then Tom. Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. 
With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash passionstruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash passionstruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to passionstruck. And you know what? After playing with him when you're in New England, I know why he's that way. When you talk about relentless, when you talk about smart, when you talk about humble, when you talk about holistic thinking, thinking about everything, there's not a, enough things or compliments I can tell you to put in perspective how good of a human being Tom is, but how good of a football player is. And I don't say that about a lot of people, but man, I get chills thinking about it. That dude is amazing, man. He can inspire anyone. He could take a youth football team that ain't won a game in 20 years and he'd be go out there and coach. He's just aspiring. In your walks of life, I'm quite sure you come across um, teammates, generals, others. I mean, you know what it looks like when you come across one of those guys like you're going to battle with. And Tom is one of those guys. Yeah. Well, I had to ask because one, because of the Michigan connections too. I live in Tampa Bay now. So I yeah, think the region yeah, yeah. is very happy we have them, but it's yeah. You know, it's um, you can see how much his leadership uh, has has meant. And the other thing about him is I never, ever hear him talk about putting blame anywhere else. I think he accepts it. So but his yeah. work ethic is is just mm-hmm. unheard of. So, yeah, well, and I, and I guess the third uh, third area I wanted to cover is uh, you and I had a, a similar experience. Um, me playing rugby, you, you playing football. Um, I don't think either of us remember too many details about what happened to us. I remember it was a beautiful day. Yep. We were playing a big match in a tournament, and I was playing winger that day. Ball comes to me, and all I could see was the goalpost in front of me. And uh, next thing I know, I got tackled from behind and don't know how long I was out, but I, I woke up uh, because they gave me smelling salts. Uh, you know, took me to the sideline, popped my shoulder back in, fixed my broken nose, and you know, back in the game, I, I, I went later on because that's what you did back then. Uh-huh. And I, and I remember because I'm an Eagles fan that sometime, uh, I think it was a December game. You were with the Redskins at the time. I think it was around 2012. And, you know, can you tell the audience what happened to you? Yeah. Well, it was actually before that it was around 2005 when that happened. 2005. And I was, you know, I was playing in the midfield and I was kind of spying on Donovan McNabb because he can run pretty good. And well, I was in coverage and then I came out of coverage 
to go chase Donovan McNabb down. And like you said, all I could see was Donovan McNabb in front of me. And next thing you know, I just I wake up on my back and I could barely breathe. And I saw Brian Dawkins and T.O. and my teammates and this was standing over top of me. And apparently I got I got knocked completely out. And um, the scary thing about that, John, I just remember waking up and I couldn't breathe. And then I was laying on my back and all that. Then I tried to get up and I realized I couldn't move. <laughs> so uh, I was carted off and. It was pretty bad injury. I ended up playing maybe one or two games a couple of weeks later, but you know that was an injury that probably in today's game probably you would miss the rest of the remainder of the season. But also, you know, those you know you can't take too many of those hips that that could ruin your career. You know, like you'd have to retire from, you know, football if you get hit like that too many times, more than once. Yeah, well, I mean, or just look at hockey and Eric Lindros or some of the other players. Um, so um, I, I specifically wanted to talk to you because I, I think I re- revealed to you I, I had a close friendship with another wide receiver you would have known, yeah. Vincent Jackson, who unfortunately um, passed away recently. But, you know, it's now coming out that he might have had some rather early onset of CTE, and that was a problem. I, I wish because I myself have been through TBIs that of all the things we would talk about from relationship issues and other things, the one thing he never talked to me about was that. And I think for a lot of people, it's it's a hard thing to talk about because some of the symptoms from a, a brain injury, they're like a snowflake. No, no yeah. two people who have one have the same exact symptoms. So I could have a mild one, you could have a medium but mine could linger on much, much longer. You, it's just hard, hard to tell. So, and I know in this um, NFL community you come from, it's become a much bigger aspect of life. So I kind of wanted to use that as a backdrop to now go into what you're doing w- yeah. with your company, because I think that that background probably gave you a lot of passion to, to go do yeah. this. Yes, you're absolutely right, John. And it kind of jumpstarted some uh, thinking for me where I originally founded my company, Wimpact, which today we're a technology and a material data company that provides data to product developers and manufacturers who build products using simulation and design tools. But my initial thought when I came across a, a technology that I saw in a baby car seat was how do I make the game safer for the next generation athletes. I saw the effects of um, TBI to my father and his friends and some of my friends. And fortunate for me, I was able, I I took one or two back concussions, but fortunate my position allowed me to kind of check, stay with the little guys. I didn't have to have as much hitting during the game, but I have friends who are suffering from impacts and different things like that. But also I just really felt like something needed to be done. Something needed to be changed that, you know, that the technology that was being used in helmets and stuff, why did the technology that was used in the current helmet 30 years later still being used, right? You think how much of a car has changed. And I set the course and the vision of my company to say, you know what, we got to make products safer, helmets safer. So we started off with a crash cloud, which is a pad that absorbs and disperses energy, and then quickly realized that, yes, 
that is not just a football problem, but it's an the problem across how much, whether soldiers using it or basketball, I mean, baseball or football or all, all these different things. But what we really realized too, as we were starting to get more products to the market, we realized the thing that really stopped people from developing products faster and better is because of the process. It was antiquated and old. They basically were taking phone, putting it in a helmet, dropping it, putting it in an Excel spreadsheet. When you see companies like GM and Boeing, they don't, Boeing doesn't wait till the plane gets to 38,000, 33,000 feet to realize that, that <laughs> the alloy is going to expand. They know how that material is going to perform. And we took that, we've evolved to that at WinFact where we like, well, the most valuable asset for us is not just that we can help create these novel solutions. It's how we do it, you, le leveraging our material data, modeling and simulation that you can use machine learning and AI to create these novel optimal solutions, whether it's a headrest for automotive company or a ballistic impact helmet working with the Department of Defense. So that's kind of like, you know, why I was passionate, why I started and, and where we're going today. Yeah, I saw some recent statistics that over the past 20 years, examining veterans, uh, between 15 and 20% of them have experienced a, a brain injury. And, and many times they, they might not have even known it happened. But as you know, you know, right. with repetitive collisions, it, it, it gets worse. I, um, so the technology that you have, will it in the future or is it now, you know, if it's in a, a football helmet, let's say, would it be able to gauge uh, the impact and how much the helmet was able to help with that impact? Yeah, I, I, so that, that's, a, um, that's a good point. So we started off as an ingredient technology, putting solutions and working with companies like Shut and Rodell to make better helmets and still have a solutions part of our business. But for us, the most valuable thing is, is we could take and work with the work in collaboration with some of these companies to build these great products. But we realize the type of data that we've collected on these foam materials or 3D printed materials is more valuable that companies like GM can run those simulations or Bauer for a hockey helmet can run those simulations or these companies could run these simulations for themselves. That's where we realize that we have a proprietary database of materials and we understand how, how they perform. And that's kind of what was taking it from the old antiquated way to the new way of doing it. With that being said, John, the future will be monitoring impact locations, hit, and different things. Today, they, they're, they're doing that. You can put sensors in helmets. You can do mouthpieces. But the truth of the matter is, until there's a big fight over who owns the medical data, right? This is the athlete at, at the University of Michigan. Or is it Michigan and the athletic department? Or is it Nike who provided the sensors? So right now, there's a little bit of battle between when you talk about this, I'm just talking about football, for example, on when you talk about data analytics and about the health of an athlete. It's coming. I think it's needed. But there's some things that's going to happen. And, and I believe that having sensors and camera images in the future will only help you us companies like us who build these models build better products okay and since we're talking about tbis i'm just going to give a, a couple uh shout outs here i just released an episode uh today with dr michael lewis and if someone is out there and they're listening to this um it's an interesting episode because he's a retired army colonel who became a doctor and during the last 
five to 10 years of his army career, became the head of TBI research for the army. And he discovered that omega-3s can help with treatment of it, even in severe situations. So I wanted to throw that out because that's yeah. an interesting episode. And then I've got another one coming up with uh, Andrew Marr, who former Green Beret, who founded something called the Warrior Angels Foundation. And they're through his work with Dr. Mark Gordon, they've realized that there's a whole side that functional medicine and the use of hormone replacement um, can help both athletes and service members. So well, really anyone who's had a TBI. So just wanted to throw those things out there. So from, from the standpoint of your company, I, I heard this story in another podcast that you did that uh, you were recognized for a startup program, but you had to give a pitch. And I, I heard you say on this that you were more nervous doing that pitch than you were <laughs> playing in an NFL game. And it, for those who, who haven't had to do one, you know, why, why was it that case for you? Just because it was such a foreign thing for you to do? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm a natural shy guy anyway, I think. I'm a natural introvert, extrovert because of my job and being a professional athlete. Obviously, I'm recognized in my community and in, in places. So I had no choice to be extra uh, kind of like talkative. But when you're pitching, I think a lot of people have a fear of talking in front of people. But I was nervous about that pitch. And maybe I'm also nervous for those out there listening. I was also nervous out there for the first probably three plays of the NFL football game. And then once I got into it, <laughs> yeah. I balled out. I was ready to go. And it's the same thing in a pitch. You know, I get nervous because the nervousness comes from an excitement, not necessarily a fear. It's more of an excitement that I have. I feel like I have so much to share and I have to be able to organize those thoughts in a way where they come across precise and I can articulate my point pretty effectively. And sometimes I get super excited and nervous about it because I'm passionate about it. We believe that we're sitting on something exciting as a company. And that, that podcast you're talking about is with Carla Harris. Uh, yes. I believe where she's at Morgan Stanley and they got a wonderful program for women, BIPOC, indigenous and people of color, a program that they help get funding and recognition. Obviously it's you know, the biggest challenge I see, John, for me being a minority, especially in the material data and material science spaces, you don't see a lot of minorities, especially professional football players, going to the tech space. Right? Yeah. I'm like a you know, I'm like a unicorn. I'm, I'm speaking at uh, <laughs> I'm speaking at the Geekwide conference, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I, am I unicorn because I'm an athlete? I'm a unicorn because I'm a minority. But at the end of the day, man, it's all about solving problems, creating disruption, doing something good for the world. Okay. And I know when I was talking to Vincent uh, Jackson, yeah. one of the things he told me back then was that when you come in the league, a lot of people think that they're going to just like kill it and have these long careers. But he said, you know, the average person lasts two years to three years. And he said when he was in San Diego around the 18 month mark, because he wasn't a very high draft pick, he he said, I got to start working on a plan B. And he started to, to start talking to every single business person he could to try to learn as, as much as he could about yeah. business so he could start diversifying. Uh, but I know one of the topics we wanted to cover today was professional athletes who, who mm -hmm. leave that, especially in the NFL, there's such a high number that, that have financial difficulties after 
they get out. But I think you could apply this to, to many different lifestyles. So I, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about was life after the NFL and how do you yeah. make that jump? What are some of your secrets? I, I think, you know, I was one of the fortunate people where I was drafted pretty high in the first round. So I knew that, you know, my, my career for at least the first five, six years were pretty secure uh, based on where I got drafted. But and I was able to get a, a lot of money over my career. I think the big thing for me was going into the NFL as a father who was a professional football player. Johnny always told me to think about football as not the end all be all, but a stepping stone for the second half of my life. And he wanted me to take meetings, develop relationships with executives. He's like, they all have kids and they all kids want to meet you and take <laughs> anything. And I was, you know, fortunate to have Paul Allen, but any chance I got a chance to learn from an executive or somebody like yourself who's done some amazing things, I would just say, hey, man, can I come down there? I'm gonna come, you, you in Tampa, I'm going to come down to Tampa. And if you mind me just picking your brain, I would just ask you questions. And, and that comes from just curiosity. And that comes from just, I think if you come with a humble spirit, people were willing to help you. And, and John, it was just one of those things where, I I'm once I attach or see something, I you know how it is. I'm relentless in, in having success. And and one thing I learned from about winning in the NFL is the only way you really win, John, is you gotta have a good team. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And and you don't know all the answers. But you and I both know that there are people who are out there who's done it, you know, who, who can help you coach you along, give you that experience. And then when you come across them, you just ask them, hey, man, here's what I'm thinking. You know, can you help me? And you used to be surprised that because of my network and I've done the reverse, right? Because of my network and relationships I developed over the years and how I help, that has helped me transition. And that's what it's about, right? Like let, knowing that you have a window of opportunity that's short, not as long as you think. And, and, and cultivate and develop those relationships that you would need later in life. And it's not just about you taking from them. It's oftentimes, how can I help you? Right? How can I support what you're doing? And it's a win-win for everybody. And I've always had that approach. Okay. Yeah. It, it's still um, a sad and staggering statistic of how, yeah. how many. I've heard agents talk about it because the agents themselves say that they would like to help. But ultimately, it comes down to the individual that they and, have and to make it, the right choices. And I will say the NFL, John, has been doing a much better job in the last probably five to 10 years teaching guys financial literacy, vetting out financial planners. And the truth of the matter is a lot of it is not necessarily bad deals. A lot of it may be family circumstances or the being divorced after playing football. And, and some of them may be related to some of the problems they're dealing with from injuries or something like that, traumatic brain injury. But that's the biggest challenge. Part of the bigger challenge is just, you know, divorce can take it. <laughs> you yes. know, a lot of guys. That is for sure. So on, on the same lines, a lot of the audience are people who are seeking, I call them growth seekers, but they're yeah. trying to get to the next level or they're looking for how do I make that choice to do something different and pursue my dream. And seeing someone like like you, who's an NFL player, they may think, you know, I can't relate to this guy, but in essence, you had to start, I mean, you had a little bit more of a safety blanket, but you had to start completely new and you were facing the same fears 
and uncertainty as anyone. So what, what is some of your biggest advice if someone is sitting there going, maybe they've got a stable job, but uh, they don't like it, or maybe that they're end of one career and they want to start another? What's some advice you have on kind of reinventing yourself and taking this next path? Yeah, and, and it's and it's scary. It's And it's not an easy thing to do, but I think a lot of it has to come down to your network. You know, sometimes you may not have the family, but again, going back and asking people, having a friend, hey man, what do you think about that? Find someone in your life who, you know, I, I like to say there's three different people in your life. There's a choreographer who tells you to speed up, slow down. You got the person who's just a listener and they, all they do is listen. And then you got the person that you just trust who's going to tell you whether you're right or wrong, <laughs> yeah. but they're going to give you their honest opinion out through love. So you got to have those type of people in your life. So it's leveraging your network is one. Two, it's in this day and age, the biggest thing that holds people back is fear. And for me, a way I was able to overcome fear is my faith. You know, fear and faith can't coexist in my world. So just having faith in God that he will lead me in the right direction and that my vision and my actions are guided by my faith. So that's my personal secret. I don't have no problem with sharing with the world. And the other thing is having confidence that, you know what, we always get this, why not, why me, right? And, and you got to be able to have that self-talk saying, why not me? And you got to be able to not look at what you don't have, but look at the, the, the good things that you have, the amazing things that you have. And whatever those strengths are, try to lean into it and make them even better. And then whatever your weakness is, find that, find how you can make that better and just hyper-focus on, I need to change this and I want to change this. I may need help changing it, whatever that weakness or whatever that is, but just kind of lean into just being committed to the process of being better. And every day, make celebrate the small steps and manage the highs and lows. Uh, that's the best way I can say it, man. Well, I think it's really about uh, action stacking. I think when you go into this, you can't think, I'm going to go from point A to point B overnight. Right. It, it's never going to happen. I mean, you, you didn't become an NFL player you know, overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't become a successful entrepreneur overnight. And so I think it's every single day taking an action that gets you closer to your goals. And over time, you'll realize just how many of those have stacked up and how much further you've gotten. Yeah. John, to that point, everyone, they, I think where, when you do those actions, you got to stack those actions. I think sometimes people get discouraged because one of the actions might not go the way you thought it was going to go. Right? So you got to have the resiliency to say, you know what, it's still, it's, it's still actions, stacking actions, but you know, that might not go, but you got to continue to continue to stack. Yeah, well, I'll be the first to tell you I've missed tackles when I was playing rugby. And, you know, you learn, you you learn, I mean, you feel bad about it, but you learn from it. Same thing in uh, life mistakes. I recently interviewed a guest. This guy's name is Trav Bell. And he introduced to me a concept I had never heard of, which is the reverse bucket list. And Mm -hmm. you can think of it as a done list. And I think sometimes people don't have the self-confidence to go and pursue their dreams. And this done list is you go back and you start listing out the accomplishments that you've had, the experiences that you've had or any in, in your life. And you look at that, you, know, you just think back, I have done all these things, many of which 
probably seemed impossible to me at some point. Right. So why can't I take on this next hurdle? So right. I always encourage people to create a done list when they're looking at what they want to do in the future as well. Right. Right. I, I totally believe that. And I like to say, celebrate the small wins, man. And you may not be where may not be where you want to be, but you know, just keep pushing forward and and don't look back because you 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 move into a new place. I've met people who um, may accomplish something and they get a big head about it. It would be easy for you to do that, being the mm. professional player you were. Stuff. How do you how do you stay grounded? And, and how can people stay, you know, because I, I think one of the biggest issues we have today is ego at, mm. and showmanship. And it, it's, yeah. it mm. is becoming such a big part of uh, society. And I think ego is one mm. of the biggest things that can hold you back. And you got to die to your ego every day, man. <laughs> you got to die. The football is humbling because every year there's somebody smarter, bigger, stronger, faster, right? And you can see it. But um I would have to say that 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 boils down to the way I was raised, and I was always a little little guy that kind of kind of grew into who I became. But I always had to work harder than everybody else. I was always, you know, just trying to be the best at what I had. I wasn't the biggest, strongest, or fastest. At times, the smartest. Even though my mom might argue that I thought I was the smartest at times, but. <laughs> um, John, but it really comes back to my family and my faith. And, you know, my mom being a soldier, she came from a very humble background. Both parents came from a very humble background. My mom went into the military to get away from an abusive and alcoholic situation. And I was, my dad was in the NFL, but they had me out of high school and they both were pretty young. So she, she left me with my grandmother while she was stationed in Germany and other places. Then my dad went off to play in the NFL. So, but... John, I just I had one of those lives where I was grounded in the fact that, you know what, I had to work and earn everything. That's that mentality that both parents instilled in me. Still got to do it. I, I got to work hard and earn everything, man. And I, you're right. I've accomplished some amazing things. Sometimes I look back, which I rarely look back, but um, Washingtonian of the year, highest drafted corner, all Big Ten academically, president of this global executive boards, done a lot of different things. And to make a long story short, man, you know, the only thing I really care about is being a great dad (laughs) and building a great company and providing a service to others. So I come with that spirit. If we're all put on earth to provide a service to others, and if I can do that, then I'm winning. Yeah. Well, I think you summed it up pretty well. I mean, no matter if you've had your life, if you were Paul Allen, if you're me, if you're someone else, it, right. it doesn't matter. We all have self-doubts. I don't care how much you've accomplished. People right. still have self-doubts. You, many mm-hmm. times they just don't want to admit it, but it's only human to. So, yeah, oh, yeah. But I think your your discussion with Paul about Paul Allen early on, I, I think, was an important one because sometimes we have mentors in our life and we don't even realize the magnitude that they're going to have when we know when we meet them. And I think he gave you some great advice. And, and I, I have never met Paul. I've met Steve Ballmer a bunch of times, especially Mm -hmm. when I was at Dell, but through my experience with Steve, he, he was one of the most directed people I've ever met um, with his vision for where he thought Mm -hmm. things should go. And that's something that always stood apart when I, when I looked at Steve and 
saw where he got in his career was he always knew where he wanted to go. He always knew where Microsoft wanted to go. And I think it was that drive. And I have a book coming out and the first chapter is all about, you need to become a mission angler. And I think it's what Paul Allen told you is you need to find that issue that's worth solving, kind of like what you're doing with this company now. And once you have that, and once you have that mission, that's what gets you going and propelling you forward. You're exactly right. And I think as part of finding that mission and finding your passion and doing what makes you happy, I think, and that's harder said than done, but anyone who's happy or dedicated to doing something that they feel, I mean, it could be anything, anything in the world, you know, from being a dentist school teacher to valet parking cars, to being a world leading scientist. If you enjoy what you do, you know, that's what's most important. Okay. Well, I've got two fairly easy questions to okay. round this out. But the first is, do you think the Washington football team uh, can take the NFC East this year? Oh, man, I think it's going to be pretty tough, man. I play for the Washington football team, but I'm leaning towards the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I was leaning towards the Dallas Cowboys if, uh, unless Dak Prescott arm is worse than they're saying. Man, I saw that preseason game for the Eagles, and I'm just like, man, it's going to be a rough be ugly for the Eagles, man. <laughs> um, and then out of all the different name choices that you've heard uh, for the fo- football team to be called, do you have one that resonates with you more than others? Believe it or not, I actually like the Washington football team, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I heard Red Wolves and the Senators and, you know, um, the congressman or something like that. Man, I, I I think that, you know, the Washington football team is not bad. It'd be interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah, the one uh, that resonated with me is I I like the one that honored the Tuskegee uh, Airmen. I think it was called the Red Tails. I thought that. Oh, yeah, the Red Tails. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it would still play on kind of the Redskins name, but um, yeah. have, a, have a more important uh, meaning behind it. Well, Sean, if uh, audience would like to know more about you, yeah, um, what are what are the best ways for them to do that? Uh, you can um, you can email me at my email, uh, Sean at winpack dot com. That's S H A W N at winpack W I N D P A C T dot com, or go to winpack dot com, and you know you can find me there. Twitter, uh, Sean Springs on Twitter. Uh, I think it's Sean Springs. I, I, and I've, I've preferenced it out there because I am not good at social media. I am terrible at social media. I don't, <laughs> but the best way to do it is email me or on LinkedIn. You know, you can find me on LinkedIn at Sean at Sean Springs is my LinkedIn name and or Winpack's LinkedIn and you can find me in. And uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll, I'll respond. I promise I'll eventually get back to you. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. What a great episode today with Sean Springs, and I appreciated all the different topics we were able to cover. And for me, this area of traumatic brain injury and what he's doing with Winpack can have such a profound impact on millions of lives. There are over two and a half million people just in the U.S. alone who suffer a traumatic brain injury. And there are many more than that who go undiagnosed. Having safety equipment and the ability to analyze it, like Winpact is doing, is so vital to people not only playing sports, but doing recreational activities like riding bikes, 
in the military, first responders, etc. I also wanted to give a further shout out to Boulder Crest and the Warrior Path Program, as well as the Warrior Angels Foundation that I discussed on the show. And if you want some more information on this, I have some great episodes. One with Dr. Michael Lewis, who's one of the foremost experts at using functional medicine to treat traumatic brain injury. I also have an upcoming episode with Andrew Marr, who founded the Warrior Angels Foundation because of his own personal experience dealing with the after effects of PBIs from his time as a Green Beret. If there is a topic or an interview guest that you would like me to have on the show or talk about, please DM me at Instagram at John R. Miles. And if you haven't checked it out and subscribed, please go to our YouTube channel, also at John R. Miles, where there are literally hundreds of videos across a variety of topics from overcoming adversity, personal growth, how to achieve peak performance, health and wellness, relationships, entrepreneurship, and so much more. Now go out and become passion struck. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Struck Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passion Struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us.